1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, this sucks. fitness package i uh i i just ordered myself a whole bunch of workout clothing so not uh i've totally got myself set up for my like my warmer weather deer hunting stuff all my like i'm i don't know i'm i'm hard on the qu train now um so uh yeah i got all my like i would call it like more of my cold weather deer stuff figured out and then uh, I was just, cause I'm really getting hard into my buddy and I just sort of made the pact a little while ago that we're going to do a sheep hunt this fall. So getting into, getting into sheep shape is the first sort of order of business. So decided to get myself some, some QU workout gear. So every time I look in the mirror, I remember why I'm doing it when it sucks and I don't want to do the stair stepper anymore. Oh man. Speaking of sheep, I mean, it's not exactly sheep. Did you guys see that new world record? That oh, uh, the goat? goat? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. It's actually from a guy an hour and a half down from me. No yeah, way. Bill. Yeah. I forget his name. Read the article. Yeah, he's from Cranbrook. I'm a name Vermeer. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. It was up by Dee's Lake or something like that. And I mean, oh, I yeah. can crush the new world record or the record. Yeah. Like, like not even by a little bit. Like, it like, was like, I think it was three, three inches. inches. Yeah. Something like that. Like, just a, just yeah crushed isn't even really the right word for it oh. but blew totally blew it out of the waters right uh something else yeah well there's big goats up up there like you go into anyone like hunter's basements up in like pr you see yeah. some big goats they break world record they'd be i'd be surprised if there wasn't some world records sitting down in some mugs basements up there there's just so many yeah. goats up there and they're tanks like there's a it's, huge difference between a like those northern coastal go- goats you get compared to like the ones you get, like even like around here, or like region yeah. four. 
Yeah, it's the same thing as blacktails here on the island. Hey, is like you see what the what we call the big bucks now, and then you'll go over to so and so's grandpa's shed, and you're bullshitting out in the in the shed and look out, and it's like, oh yeah, that's that's a hammer, and he's like, yeah, I shot that Saturday after, you know, after yeah. hanging out with the guys. Like, uh, oh yeah, it's like oh yeah, oh. So uh, maybe just remind the listeners, uh, Rich, where you're from. Uh, I live in Courtney, British Columbia on Vancouver Island. Yeah, you've already been on the show, so we don't have to get into uh, all the details of your background story and all that stuff. If anybody wants to know that, they can go back and listen to episode, uh, I don't remember what episode you're on. Pete, Pete probably knows. No, that's before my time. <laughs> I don't remember, but. Somewhere we can one, look through the one list. through sixty. <laughs> yeah, one through sixty. I think it was, yeah. yeah. So, how awesome. you been, man? Uh living the dream. I uh, and like, I mean, I know that normally is used facetiously, but actually, I've been uh, I've been doing really well. Um, I've made since we've talked last time. I made some really big steps in like, just big life choices that were kind of. Sp- spooky to make but they were they're definitely the right choice i uh since talking or since i was on last i've started guiding for salmon professionally for uh queen charlotte lodge i got all my courses done finally and just pulled the pulled the trigger decided to go up and do that so that's my new summer gig is i'm a i'm a saltwater fishing guide for queen charlotte lodge and then uh i'm actually in the process right now of creating the company for my own guiding outfit for big game. And I mean, primarily for Turkey to start with, but then hoping to sort of transition into doing all around, all around guiding at some point. And uh, yeah, I've done a couple swaps over with my logging side of things with the off highway, uh, with the fat truck, just into a new company now. And uh, my new boss is incredibly awesome when it comes to my time off work and he just he totally gets that i'm a a really passionate hunter and outdoorsman and so when it comes to time off he's just kind of along the lines of like just you don't have to ask if you want time off just let me know when you want off and just let me know ahead of time and i'll make sure that it works for me so pete's on that kind of schedule too yeah yeah It makes it makes life a lot nicer for being a guy like me when you don't have to worry about you know like the whole like hands behind your back kicking the dust like hey so yeah I know I'm a union worker here for our town and all my overtime they laugh because I just look at them after a big day or something being like well it was a couple more days in September that just got booked (laughs) off (laughs) oh we're we're in October now it's been a busy oh no sure I'll definitely overtime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely work these two hours to get two days off paid later on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's a bit of give and take like that with my boss. Like when I went on my, uh, went on my whitetail hunt this fall, I put in an extra long shift. Like I, I work shift work normally. So I go into camp for my shift is typically 10 and four, but before I headed off for my, uh, my whitetail hunt in Saskatchewan, I decided to do, a long, like I did about a, I think it was, I think it was 24 days. I did 24 days straight and then took off for the two weeks that I did a mule ear hunt 
around Kamloops and then uh, immediately headed right out to do my whitetail hunt. Which and actually, he's sitting right above my head there. That's right a nice now. buck. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Don't mind me. I gotta uh, readjust here. My legs. Fucking. <laughs> Not enough. Old. <laughs> you get you. old. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering about that. So I, uh, in the little bit of time that I get to scroll social media throughout the day, I've, you know, I, I picked up that you, you did something to your knee there, but what was the, uh, what was the mechanism of injury there? Training the, too hard or? The injury, yeah. <laughs> Birthday. Yeah, just a cumulative effect of years of abuse. Yeah. But I had to, uh, yeah, so they, they went in there and they, cleaned up some cleaned up my knee and then they had to cut some dead tissue away from the meniscus and they stitched it back up so well that's, so good. Now, that's what you want right yeah <laughs> so no anyway when i pack pete around it won't hurt so much there you go yeah that's well, unfortunately that's kind of what my future is sounding like it's gonna look like i've got uh in my right knee my acl is partially torn and then i've got a a teacup flap on the meniscus in that knee so oh, yeah. it's just kind of uh it's one of those like call it like a 15 year ticking time bomb i think so yeah i uh so i guess so yeah, do you run do you run to get in shape as well uh do i get brownie points if i say yes or well no i want the honest answer i don't um, so you're, you're good to go you got the pete's two extremes not a, here not a, pete's not a pizza He's an anti-runner. He's an anti-runner. Um, I, 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 you know, I... Not really. I'm not, like, against it. Like, I'll... For cardio in the gym and stuff like that, I'll jump on the treadmill every now and then. But what I yeah. found... I've just sort of naturally made this progression over towards the old stair-stepper. Just because I think it's just in the sense yeah. of, you know, going after sheep and goats and elk and all that kind of fun stuff i just think that the stair stepper is like when I, when i'm out hunting the moderate inclines and the flats are not what get me it's around where i hunt mule deer which i shan't name but it's like very steep lots of gullies and like i don't know i coming from saskatchewan i'd call them coolies but they're a little bit more aggressive than that and yeah. you're doing a lot of zigzagging up, you know, gaining lots of elevation quickly and, and often too, like you're, you're very often in about a kilometer that you go horizontally, you've gone up and down three sets of coolies. So for me, the stair steppers kind of, when I go for cardio, I find it's a lot easier for me to stare down at my feet on the stair stepper and just visualize, you know pack on the back and going up some hill whereas like i find i get like i don't know five minutes into running on the treadmill and i'm like this sucks i don't like do you, it do you ever try rocking with your pack on doing the stair climb my buddy does that i uh, i'm getting i'm getting there uh i've definitely you know i i i gotta make an admission that i'm not in the shape that i used to be i used to be a competitive swimmer and football player and stuff like that so I was doing real good back then, but admittedly, I've sort of let her let her slip. Some about driving truck that well, sort of gets, gets you in not the, exactly. Life gets in the way. Like yeah, it is. No, exactly. It doesn't get in the way. It limits some of your time that you yeah that wasn't the case when you were younger. Yeah, and you know, honestly, the 
that it's kind of funny you you bring that up is like that's exactly where I'm at right now um for Christmas I bought myself uh Cameron Haynes's book the um, Endure I don't know if you guys have read it but uh, if you haven't I would seriously suggest reading it and uh essentially the the if I were to take one quote from the book to sort of live by is he repeats throughout the book nobody cares to work harder like regardless you know like my meniscus my acl like nobody cares work harder like find find a way to do it and what i found is is like my current schedule that i'm on right now i'm uh, i get up at 3:45 and i'm meeting at a coworker's place to carpool at 4:25 i drive up to Campbell River and we jump in a crew van and essentially do a whole bunch of more traveling till i get up to Hardwick Island and i haul for 10 and a half hours and then I turn around and do the the hour and a half commute back again, and that normally lands me home around six six thirty ish. And for the longest time, I like for quite a few years now, I'd be like, you know, I, I'd get home, and in my head during the day, I would think, you know what, I, I should go to the gym tonight. And then I'd get home, and when I come through the door. I'd start like rationalizing to myself, be like, ah, you know, like you, you worked, you worked 10 hours today and you had all that commuting time and, you know, and you, and you haven't eaten yet tonight. And, you know, you just, just go tomorrow, go, go tomorrow and go twice as hard tomorrow as you would today. And then of course that, that doesn't happen. And it just becomes this, this cycle of you talking yourself out of going to the gym and uh, over the Christmas break period I uh, I read a, a handful. Of, well, I listened to audiobooks of uh, I did Cameron Haynes's book, and then I listened to Jocko Willink's uh, Extreme Ownership, and both of those books kind of went hand in hand in talking about like you know like, to paraphrase on it, like just kind of quit making bullshit excuses for why you're not doing the things right because two seasons in a row now I've got out into the mule deer woods and been three quarters of the way up a hill being like man, I, I really wish I would have been a little more disciplined throughout the year. And so that's where for the past like four or five weeks, I've been essentially, unless I have a, a damn good excuse, I'm at the gym right after work. I, I've really been hopping on the, the instant pot and the air fryer train because they're both really manageable ways to have meals ready for me so i come home i have a deer roast in the instant pot or whatever and i just i hammer it head to the gym by the time i get back it's ready to go i have a quick bite to eat and go to bed you know like just not saying that like i don't have the time and just admitting that i'm not making the time to do those things mm -hmm. making the best of there. what you have yeah no like exactly I, right? I mean you're you're obviously putting in hours it's not like you're putting in a half a day and then making up excuses it's like yeah. you have x amount of time all right maybe you can't maximize four yeah. hours but you can maximize two hours of your time for you no it exactly right and it's like i'm i find i'm also a very all or nothing person and so for a long time i was admittedly guilty of talking myself out of going because i couldn't do it properly right like i'd be like ah oh, like i don't have time to go do a whole workout so I might as well not go at all. Whereas like now I've kind of taken more of the mindset that it's like, Hey, you know what? Even if I just show up and I don't have time to really do any weight training, but I just do 30 flights of stairs on the stair stepper and then leave is better than had I just 
gone to bed, hmm. you know? That's interesting. Yeah. That how you feel that if you can't, if you can't give it at all, then you just, you're not going to give, give it any. That's interesting. Yeah. I, yeah, I bet you there's I, a lot of people that, that it would agree with you that they do the exact same thing. Really yeah. Yeah. You know, the one thing about goals is nobody gives a shit about your goals as much as you do. And no, exactly. You're the only one who cares about your goals. You're the only who's going to stop you from achieving your goals. Yeah. I think a helpful mindset that I've kind of been doing my best and like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm not trying to sound like, like a David Goggins or a Cameron Haynes here. Like, you know, I'm definitely working on this mindset and I have my weekdays where I don't, don't put it out, but I've just kind of adopted this mindset that, you know, the, the quote unquote best or like the, the all or nothing mindset of like that. If I can't do it properly, I can, I'm not going to do it at all. I've kind of just been trying to have this mindset that like, Hey, you know what? Doing it properly is doing the best I can. Right. And so if doing the best I can is 30 flights on the stair step or like 15 minutes, and then I have to run home and have a bite to eat and sleep. That was doing it properly. Right. That was, that was doing it properly given, you know, within the confines of endowment for the situation. Right. Yeah. And see, to me, that seems like a better mindset then than what you said earlier about, you know, just if you can't come up with an excuse, well, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it at all. But just having that mindset, you're already ahead of where you were before just in creating that mindset for yourself where you're like, okay, well, listen, I, I'm going to give everything that I have. I have 15 minutes. I'm going to give everything I have in those 15 minutes. Yeah. It doesn't have to be four hours a day. It doesn't have to be, it, it's whatever you set your goals to be. Exactly. Yeah. And so I've been trying to sort of erase this idea of the goal being X or the goal being mm -hmm. Y. The goal to me is to always be in, in the grand scheme. Like, even if we're not just talking like working out or hunting, like my goal every day is to be like the best person that I can be the best version of me that I can be. Mm -hmm. And that boils down to how I go about working out, how I go about my eating habits, how I go about, you know, being a family member, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, and indefinitely boils down to, you know, kicking my own ass and getting myself to the gym every night when I can. Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's a good quote out there. It says, uh, um, my biggest fear in life is that when I die, I get to heaven, I meet the man I could have been. Um, that's a good quote. I've heard, I remember like I heard that. that. Yeah. I heard that a long time ago and, uh, it always just seemed to stick with me. I'm not a God fearing yeah. man and I'm not preaching here, but I'm, you know, just the quote itself. It, uh, it really stood out. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. It's like that idea of, you know, I, I often think, you know, kind of ragging on the gym thing here, but going from being, you know, a, a competitive swimmer slash you know outside linebacker in football and when i was 17 18 i was benching you know like just use bench press for example i was benching like 205 pounds when i was 17 18 and i think about it and i'm like you know had i not moved well like i won't blame it on moving out to vancouver island but it's like had i not you know kind of just popped myself out of my habit of going every day and stuff like that it's like, man, like I could have been, you know, friggin' bench in 315 
by now, but I lost that discipline. And so I, like, you know, I don't harp on myself and get myself down because of that, but it's the reminder of like, Hey, like if I keep on this path of, you know, always doing it tomorrow and always procrastinating it, I'm always going to look at, you know, the, the, what could have been right. I'm going to look at myself and that's why this year, you know, my buddy and I, we essentially gave this, um, made this pact, if you will, like handshake deal that like, we are going sheep hunting. We're going to do, which reminds me, I got to get them in, but we're doing the early LEH for, um, sheep. We're going to apply for, I think the Spets easy plateau tag for sheep. And then, but the deal is, is even if we don't draw an LEH, we're going to go find an open, find an open hunt and go for sheep probably up around like that pink mountain area i think there's a there's a stone it's either a stone sheep or a doll sheep tag that they have that's open up there stone stone sheep doll sheep yeah doll sheep's farther up isn't it yeah 628 629 is doll sheep okay right on so how long you've been given or now uh really dedicated nose to the grindstone like you know like I said, like in this mindset of just forcing myself to go, I'd say three, four weeks of just nice. steady, steady going. I've got, I don't, uh, or sorry, I worded that like, I, I'm trying to move away from using pounds on the scale as, as my guideline, because I had this idea. I wanted to get myself down to 180 pounds mm-hmm. for the time that I go to the, go to the sheep hunt. I was back up to about like 190, 195 ish there. So I kind of set. How tall are you? The uh, five ten on a tall day with good hair. With the wind blowing in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was last year or yeah, so so last spring in February, I weighed two thirty, and oh, wow. uh, that's a big yeah, change. Nicely done. And I so la- like I, last February, like a year ago. Correct. Yes. So you lost um, fifty pounds in less than a year. Uh, well, if I'm being honest with you, I lost fifty pounds in two months. I was wow. Good pretty. I, uh, was that healthy? I don't know. Well. <laughs> We'll maybe find that out in the future, but I, uh, no, I just went really hard. I just got really, I don't really know what it was that sort of woke me up to it, but I just realized I was like, Hey, I'm not in good shape. Like, and looking back now on pictures and stuff like that, like the amount of weight that I see in my face and stuff, like, unfortunately I wore it very well, which was kind of, it was unfortunate because like, instead of, you know, having big clumpy bits, in certain spots in my body, I kind of just had this thin layer of fat everywhere. And so nobody, when I said I weighed 230, people didn't believe me. And I just kind of didn't really have that real motivation to kick myself. And then mm-hmm. I, I can't remember what it was. I think, well, I know for sure my buddy, the one that we're going sheep hunting, he on a couple different occasions just told me, he's like, yeah, you're, you're getting fat. And I originally think I kind of thought that he was joking. And then it occurred to me, I was like, Hey, you know, maybe that's what friends are for, man. I was going to say, those are great. Those are good friends right there. That'll tell you that. No, exactly. And and you're getting fat. Yeah, no, exactly. And he was, he was, he was stark about it. And actually I, I censored myself. Well, I censored his quote a little bit there for the sake of the podcast. It was a a little bit like this too. 
Not quite, not quite. No, but it was it was quite abrasive for quite a while. Actually, it's not oh, like yeah. making out like it was just this one time. But he he was pretty pretty on me for a while about like, hey, like you're you're gaining weight, like you're you're getting up there. And I was like, yeah, so, you know what? So, so what did you do to start transitioning from like? Because I met like, you, did you exercise while you're you're 50 pounds heavier? Were you exercising regularly, or was it something that you just avoided no, it altogether? I was. I kind of hit 230 and plateaued there. Like I just kind of like I wasn't really gaining weight. I wasn't eating the healthiest, but I guess I just I wasn't eating unhealthy enough to really break 230. Right. Um. And then what I did was for myself personally, um, a keto diet. I. I melt when I do keto. It's a really good way for me to to lose weight. So what I was doing, and this is where it gets the ridiculousness of this comes out, is that I was working camp work for the last company I was in. So I was doing 14 and 7. And on my 14 days in camp, I was doing keto. And, well, sorry, the keto was uh, the whole time. It wasn't just in camp. But I was doing keto and then intermittent fasting as well. So I was only eating supper and also oh, going to gosh. the gym every second night. And yeah, yeah I went, That's tough. and the other thing is too, is like it, uh, it, I'd be lying if I told you that my stubbornness had nothing to do with it. Um, one of the fallers at work, I said something about, I wanted to lose some weight and he bet me a case of beer that I couldn't, I told him, I was like, my goal is to be one, the hell was it i think i said my goal was to be 190 by the time i left for the lodge which was in may mm-hmm. and it was like february ish and he bet me a case of beer he said you're not going to be able to lose the 40 pounds in that time so i kind of just gave him the finger and lost 50 in half the time because by april when i went turkey hunting i had already gotten down to about 190 yeah and That's then by awesome. the time I went to the lodge, I was 185. So, so you just did, so was no exercise, you just dieting and that's all that you changed. I, I was working out in the evenings in camp. There's a, now did you start a, working out or were you working out? Like, did you work out when you were heavy? Uh, very intermittently. Like right, not, right. As, it wasn't a regular, not thing. as much as I should. And that's no. the thing with working out or whatever you're doing. It's not the one workout you do this week and the one workout you do this week, it's the yeah. constant it, like consistency compounds. I say it all the time and it's true because it's not the, it's not the, and it kind of goes back to what you said before, about doing a 15 minute workout, all those 15 minute workups outs are going to add up to enormous amount at the end of the year. And that's exactly it's those little things. And I tell people that all the time. And it's not these big, you don't have to run a hundred kilometers, but you can, you can walk a kilometer every day. And you're going to notice a difference in a hundred days. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And diet was a huge part of it too. Like I, uh, and you know, admittedly, I, I make the intermittent fasting thing sound super scary, but like you got to keep in mind too, I was a super lazy kid and I hated making lunches. So that was actually kind of just my natural life growing up was like, I didn't really, really? eat breakfast because I like to sleep in. And then I was too lazy to make a lunch to go to school. So it was just kind of, I just didn't eat all day. And then I would come home and eat one third of the house and then go to swimming practice. And right. so it was just kind of like a natural thing. And I find like, even right now, actually, I'm still doing it. Like I just, I just eat one meal a day and I know 
that sounds super nuts, but it's like, I've kind of just been doing it for so long that it doesn't, doesn't really bug me. I find as long as I don't start eating, I'm fine. But if I have like a friggin' pepperoni stick at 8 a.m., I start getting hungry because my body just, I guess, you know, yeah, I throw a little bit of food in down. there and it gets yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. My wife does that. She does the dieting too. And I watch because I can't diet. I, there's no fucking way in hell I can diet. No. And I look at her and the stuff she goes, she did a keto and she did the intermittent fasting stuff. And I'm like, man, I don't know how you do it. Like, I just, I couldn't do it. I haven't, I just, I cannot diet. I no miss way. a meal. I'm going to yell at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and that's no joke. My blood sugar drops. People run because I don't he care. He gets hangry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give me a yeah. sandwich or something. But the Snickers. Yeah. Those Snickers commercials. I'd fit right into that for sure. Eva right out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good, man. That's good. That's a good life change. It's good to have. Uh, it's good to set your life in that sort of direction. It's uh, it's good to see. For sure. Yeah, and I've just generally just been been feeling better and feeling a lot more motivated because I find it it leaks over right. Like it it's not just that I have this motivation for working out. I found that the rest of my life has sort of followed suit, mm-hmm. slower mm-hmm. and like a little behind in the Mario Kart. Well, track, it's all it, it's discipline is what it is. It comes boils it, down to exactly. discipline. That's all it is. Yeah. And it's giving your giving your mind creating this this discipline in your mind and it just kind of overlays and it transpires into everything else you do in your life. Yeah. And I think I used to be I used to be very disciplined when I was, you know, late teenager personally, anyhow. I asked my dad, he might tell you other things, but um I was very personally disciplined when it came to like going to the gym and the way I ate and stuff like that. I was really good. Um, And then I just kind of weaned off of that as I turned, um, you know, like into going into my twenties, something about being old enough to go to the bar, I think had something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, And we um, all, we all do through like Pete and I, we both played competitive hockey and like you grow up, you grow up and you, you play professional sports or you play what you're doing, whatever competitively and you build this competitive edge and you're, and you're working out and you, it, it in your twenties, it's easy to get off that routine really easy. And it's as the older you get, it's harder to get back into that routine. Uh, I think that's a big struggle for a lot of people, especially like I'm 44 Pete's 44. <laughs> no, not yet. I'm not. No, he's he's just always, 40 again this year. Yeah. He's close to 44. Anyway, but yeah, so like you just, you fall into this routine of not doing anything. And then, but like I tell, I tell people all the time and like you get to, if you start working out and you're just consistent, eventually you get to a point where you act, it's like running. And I tell Pete all the time, Pete's like, how the fuck can you be, how could, how, how could you enjoy running? I'm like, you run enough. And then you get to this place where it's actually like meditation. You're actually, you, you actually yeah. And it's the same for with working out. It's the same with yeah. whatever you're doing. You fall into these, you fall into this routine and this habit. And then it gets to a point where like, you don't have to, you don't have to come up with an excuse to work out or not to work out. You ha- like you're, it's, it's harder to not to miss a workout than it is to do a workout after a while. If you, if you get to a certain point and you do it, like I, I haven't been able to do anything because of my knee here for a day, for two days, three days. Now this is the third day and it's, you know, it's killing me, but it, it's just, it's, it's been, I've built that 
mindset up over time of just constantly day in day out doing it every yeah. single day and then it just becomes it becomes like getting out of bed eventually and then you actually look forward to it yeah Last thing it almost becomes your happy place yeah like it's I, like it running 100 percent. no no i would just i'll ask you right now i've asked everybody i've got the same answer from everybody you've ever seen somebody smile while they're running without forcing it no no there you go no. <laughs> another one in my column zero still in kevin's except for the fake video that you sent me <laughs> he's smiling for 10 seconds either way I, I do get it like if running's your jam whatever it's it's that mental it's it's literally your happy place you just yeah. feel great doing it so why wouldn't you do it doesn't matter what yeah. it is you know what was uh the thing that so I don't, one thing that I've been cautious of is I don't, um, I don't like chasing cheap dopamine anymore. Um, and what I found is, is that like the real, the real dopamine comes from finishing a workout, you know, like going through and it, it gets flowing. Like when you're, when you're really having a good workout, you get this cheap dopamine fix when you're telling somebody that you're working out and they're like, Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, like you get your brain releases that little, that little shot of like, Hey, like I'm, I'm doing good. Mm -hmm. Um, and my, as much as I try to ignore them, I was pleased with myself the other day, my phone, uh, I got this new, new iPhone 14 and, uh, it actually did it the other day that I have been, I guess it, your, uh, your Google maps on your phone tracks your patterns, which is a little bit spooky, but, um, so in the morning, it tells me, it knows I go over to my coworker's place to carpool with him. And so after you do the same thing, like four or five mornings in a row, it starts giving you a traffic report. You fire up your truck and cause my phone's Bluetooth to the truck, it initiates the connection with the truck, knows I'm driving. And then gives me this little thing that says, um, the, uh, traffic to whatever, you know, his address traffic is light it's about a three minute drive it's kind of creepy place. Eh? It's, it's it is it is that. creepy i, I looked and, at my phone right i was like man does this thing listen to me right now <laughs> yeah the the cool thing was though is i came home yesterday and when i went to go to the gym i fired up my truck and it said fitness excellence uh take this route travel is uh you know should take seven minutes to get there and there was like this cool little pat on the back that I was like, Hey, I've actually been consistent enough at going to the right. gym that it knows that when I fire my truck up around six forty-five, seven o'clock, it knows I'm headed to fitness excellence to go work out. And so that was kind of a cool, you know, I try not to take it to heart, but I was like, I patted myself on the back a little bit that I was like, Hey, you know what? I've been consistent enough that, you know, Apple figured out what I'm going to do here right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have those little accolades. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like I said before, th these goals, they're your goals and, and, you know, nobody really gives a shit about your goals as much as, uh, as much as you do. Exactly. No one cares to work harder. And yeah. once that year comes up and you're on that sheep hunt, yeah. you're going to look back and be like, it was all worth it. It's all worth it yeah. anyway, because you already felt great about yourself. Yeah. You've got to your goal yeah. that you wanted, but now when you're climbing that mountain, you're like, yeah. This is exactly yeah. why I did it. Yeah. No, exactly. When I when I get to the top and I'm 
don't get me wrong, I'll be huffing and puffing, but I'll definitely look down what I came up and be like, man, had I not trained for this, yeah, I'd still be down there, you know. Mm-hmm. So you said you're putting in for that sheep leh that closes. Yeah, we haven't. We haven't totally decided. I've got to sit down. My buddy and I, we typically sit down and do a little, we call it the LEH party. This is earlier than normal because this is the first time that we've put in for the early LEHs. Yeah. But um, we're just going to sit down one of these nights here. Probably, I'm, I'm thinking actually I'm going to threaten to do it this weekend. I'm going to go down to his place and we'll sit down and just do some very light e-scouting like just look over all the different options go do a quick blast to that area take a look at it see what it looks like and then kind of come down to what uh in the end what we want to put in for it sounds like they're all group hunts so i've got two other buddies who oh, i know are going to be that, down to in that region because you can put in for like the spats easy hunts just for soul for solo for individuals Okay, well that that's good to know then. I as far as my uh, as far as Cassius looked into it, it's just group hunts that he saw so far. Well, so, maybe just in that maybe in the region that you guys are wanting to go in because they're region specific. Okay, yeah. Well, and and that's kind of where it's you know we're we're still in the process of figuring all that kind of stuff out. So uh, I haven't admittedly taken the time to. Essentially, I've just gone as far to say like, yes, we're doing it. We're going to apply for early LEH and that's kind of as far as I've gone with it so far. Um, I haven't, I haven't made the time to sit down and, and do the the research yet. I've been. Yeah. The nice thing about those early LEHs is that you find out a little earlier. You don't find out yeah. at the end of June that you're going on a sheep hunt at the beginning of August. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, that. that's why I'm leaning towards that spats easy tag because the spats easy tag offers um <coughs> pardon me um my buddy drew the caribou tag for spats easy a while ago it was like two three years ago and yeah. we were all stoked about it and then when it came time to book uh to try and charter a float plane in there we realized that all the early sheep guys that drew the tags had already pretty much chartered out all the float planes so that's kind of the idea this year is we're going to try and be the early sheep guys who have drawn that tag. And then in a couple of the spats easy areas, I don't know which ones are going to overlap, but there's some moose caribou combination tags. So I'm yeah, thinking and there's the GOS the there too. There's a GOS up in there too for, yeah, for, for yeah. some years, but it doesn't, it's like they, they don't exactly overlap depending on when you're going to go for your tag because yeah. they're April 1st. And then those are those caribou tags are April fifteenth. It opens. Yeah, and so that's kind of the uh, that's just kind of where we're at right now. Is the idea is that we'd like to find a tag to apply for that overlaps with that caribou moose tag, and so then we'll go, you know, late August or early September, or whatever, and do well. It would have to be September, um, just given my work schedule with the lodge. But the idea is is that if we draw the sheep tag will then apply for the caribou moose tag that corresponds to that same time. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. It now, gives you some more bang for your buck then while you're up there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cause I know there are some open seasons for things up there. Cause if I, and don't 
quote me on this, but I seem to remember it being something along the lines of there being like, uh, like caribou were open for certain specific uh, antler types. But then if you drew the tag, you could shoot any bull type thing. Yeah. So, so it has to be five up top for a caribou to be legal in BC. Yeah. Um, But they do have different, there is, there is different. Yeah. You can get LEH draws. Same with moose and elk. Uh, well, yeah. actually, there is yeah. some. There's some just regular bull up up in the northern where they used to be anyway. But yeah. Um, so you, a couple. What was that? A couple months ago, you put out a survey in for BC hunters to to uh, refresh my memory what it was again because it was really interesting. It's and and sent, like Pete, yeah. Pete and I have, we've talked about this uh, on the show lots about BC. Like we're on a we're on a lottery system here. Um, you know, which myself personally, I'm not fond of the lottery system. Um, and you put out, it was a survey, I think on through, through social media regarding just if people would humor the thought of switching from, uh, from our current system, our current LEH system, which is a lottery to uh, a, uh, a point system. How did that go? Um, it was a mixed bag. Uh, the, I feel like I think 60% I would say 60% of the interaction that I had with people on that post was positive. There was about a, I would say like a 10 or maybe 15% that were against it in the beginning. But then after sort of having the system explained to them, they flop sides and they're like, oh, okay, I misunderstood like that. That does make sense. I, I do like that. And then the, the remainder of the population was um yeah everybody's entitled to their own opinion but i in my opinion they were being pretty pretty boneheaded about nobody could come up from what i saw nobody could come up with an actual strong argument against going to a pool or points system yeah and i see i i struggle to see I start, I struggle to see that as well. Like I, I, I just don't see any negatives of going to a point system myself. No. I think, I and, personally... and so there, there is, there is this one argument that I get all the time and I'm like, well, how do you, how do you all of a sudden go into a point system? Okay. I, this is my, what I've come up with. So say Pete, you've been putting in for moose. Say we're all applying for moose in the same area. Pete's been putting in for two years. Rich, you've been putting in for three years and I got one last year okay so now when we go to the point system pete gets two points you get three i have to start from scratch because i just got that draw right and then automatically you can build up you can accumulate points from that it's gonna it's everything is automated it's going to be easy for them to figure out how many people have put in consecutive years in a certain for a certain species in a region or it doesn't even matter the region just putting in for a species to accumulate those points I mean, it the the process of of transferring over. I th- I think the biggest thing is like you said is like a lot of people don't understand. In a lot of people in BC don't understand exactly how they work, and they just don't yeah. see how we would transition from one to the other. I think yeah. some of the conversations I've had with people on it, um, I'm in the middle. I'm not for or against because I I only understand the point system to a certain extent, um, but I do I do get the process of it. Uh, the people that Rich, I've do you want to explain? To... Do you want to explain how well, they all work? Um, so before before going into 
that specific question, I would just like to make a little point here that like I um, personally, I lean more towards a pool system than a point system. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're a little different in that. And admittedly, um, coming from Saskatchewan, I'm not incredibly well-versed in how all the different point systems work. So you might actually be better to explain the point system, but I'd be happy to out, outline the, the pool system. Yeah. Um, the pool system, essentially, the way that Saskatchewan's works, which I think with a couple tweaks uh, would be an ideal situation for British Columbia under most circumstances. Um, In your first year, just going from an individual standpoint, in your first year, you go into a pool. And if you're unsuccessful in drawing that year, you move up to super A pool. So super A is the top of the period, or the pyramid, sorry. And uh, essentially the tags trickle down. So if you're in super A, you're in top priority to draw. Everybody that's in super A, like for example, like let's use a scenario in which there are three people in super A and five people in A and then, you know, X amount of people in B pool and you have 10 tags. So the three people that are in Super A are top priority. They get, they each get to first draw of those 10 tags. So then of the seven tags that are remaining after that, go down to the five guys that are in A pool. There's five guys there, seven tags. Okay, everybody draws there. We now go down to B pool. We got two tags left over after all those pools. Two people get lottery picked from B pool to draw and whoever draws those tags get them and they go down to the bottom and everybody else of the entire column moves up Mm -hmm. and in saskatchewan they have super a a b c and d pool so every year that you draw you're down in d pool the following season and you just every year you move up one pool until you're in super a they also implemented um to my understanding, it was because of uh, the pronghorn tag in Saskatchewan being incredibly hard to draw. And there was a few years that it was shut down and such. They added in um, legacy pool, which is for the poor bastards who are in super a for like, you get a tag, like the, um, the pronghorn tag in Saskatchewan or comparably the, the Roosevelt tag here on Vancouver Island, where it's super long odds of drawing legacy pool is for guys who have, been in super a i think it's three years or it might be five years if you are in the pool for that long you go up to legacy pool um and in bc you know my immediate thing is that we would have to add some more pools and so you might have to go down to like f pool or whatever um and and i should note too that the pools are all species specific so you might be in super a for mule deer and C for elk and A for moose and, and, and so on and so forth throughout the, throughout. Yeah. The and, and they're, they all are. So it doesn't like, even with the point system, they're all, they're all species specific too. So. so here's my question on that. Then if they only give out, let's say we'll talk moose because that was our draw here last year. Mm-hmm. 
as far as I know, there's 18 tags total. Should we get our, it? Our should area. we get your wife into this conversation? No, she's she's relaxing in another room. She's we the moose shooter in Pete's family. <laughs> yeah, she's she's busy right now. She doesn't want to come on. Uh, God, Jesus. So let's say they have 18 tags, but it's a very popular draw here. And even if we switched it to elk, if elk went LEH here, same thing. Everybody wants to come to the Kootenays to elk hunt. It was always used to be the Serenade. Yeah, those, big those guys. Right? Those guys, yeah. Um, <laughs> but our populations are hurting now, like super yeah. bad. So my question is, okay, there's they hand out 18 tags now, but let's say there's a thousand people that apply for here. So if we've got pools going, how many years is it going to be? Yes, you could be guaranteed one, but that's a lot of years to potentially have to wait without being able to hunt them. Oh, okay, but so one, I, thing, one thing though, Pete, when you get away from a lottery system, yeah, um, draw strategy comes into effect where you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be building points in areas or like creating, you're You're not going to, your, your whole draw strategy is going to change all of a sudden when you, when you get into like, like that's like, like down in the States, they have, you know, like um, go hunting that they have these big massive draw strategies and they actually do seminars on draw strategy and like what units to draw, to put in for that you're going to give you the best odds of drawing, you know, after say four years of drawing. So that that's going to come into play a lot yeah. if if you get rid of because right now it's just a lottery system. So people are like, yeah. you know what, I'm just going to put in for here, right? I'm going to put in for moose over here, and then my second choice, I'll put in for moose over here. I'm going to put in for elk over here, and then blah blah yeah. blah blah, right? It's just a lottery system, so it doesn't really matter. Um, once you get and, into once you get into points and, and pools, you're gonna you're gonna come in, you're gonna evolve a strategy. And I think and, that that goes into what I was saying before. Some of the people that talked about the point system or whatever system that's different from ours, the people that I've heard that are worried about it the most are, you know, the older generation like you, Kevin, and it's, it's going to take you their Their concern is like to build enough points to have a better chance of drawing that animal per se in their area. They're going to, it's going to take them so many years to potentially build up to that. Um, they're concerned that they may never get a shot at actually hunting it. They're not, and they're, it's not that they're against it. It's that's their concern in, in their understanding of the system, I guess is the best way to put it. And so that's where, um, and that's where, and I, I understand that fear and that's why I lean towards the, the pool system is because, in essence so yeah like let's talk you know the the tag that's familiar to me is the roosevelt tag here on vancouver island right where your odds in some areas i've seen 300 to one holy moly well that there's that uh camu sheep draw that's like yeah or the expenses bridge yeah exactly so you know let's use one of those for example um so super a pool let's say we're five years into a pool system everybody is in super a yeah. Right. So, but if we're five years in, you've got one guy or like, let's just say a situation where you've got one tag for that unit. Okay. And so you got, everybody is in super a, but you got one guy in D. Yeah. Let's not go backwards here. I'm a truck driver. You know, you got one guy in A, B, C and D pool. Mm-hmm. Right. 
at the very least, the very, very least, your odds, you know, those guys at least just don't get to do the repeat thing, right? Like, it's just in my personal opinion, it's just fair that you draw that once in a lifetime tag and, you know, and that's your, that's your, your chance. You're out for five years. And then after that, you're right back into the running with everybody else. So it's like at the very, in the very worst case scenarios, because that's the thing that I found is most often people brought up these worst case scenarios to combat the entire program. And it's like, okay, don't get me wrong. Like, I think what we really need to look at is like, it's a, it's a tag that, you know, it's, it's a tag that has one in 1300 odds. Right. Like that's, those are terrible odds as it is. And so right now it's you versus a thousand other people in that one pool, or you go to a pool system and it's you versus 994 other people, right? Like in the worst case scenarios, you've at least just edged the odds a touch better. And you go ahead and add, you know, maybe add whatever five more pools whatever you have to do to make it to make it you know make the odds better you're at least better than you are with the total lottery system but then you go to other places where it's you know not super long odds you get one in 12 odds Mm -hmm. or one in five odds and now your life has been made nicer because it's like it was in saskatchewan we used to always draw mule deer bucks in a pool so you just knew whose year it was in your hunting yeah. group. You'd be like, yeah, okay, it's dad's year. He's probably going to draw the mule deer tag this year. So he just goes into that fall knowing he's p- got a pretty good chance that he's going to draw the mule deer tag and he yeah. can plan accordingly. Uh, right? He can work his nice. schedule around work and stuff like that. Whereas right now, it's like we're talking about with trying to plan a friggin' uh-huh. uh, float plane. It's like, fuck, I got to sit here and wait until well, you don't want to pay the to deposit. Yeah, exactly. It, exactly, the, right? Yeah. Whereas so one if thing you about were those super A. Yeah, well, one thing yeah, about sorry, those 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 tags too is like those are low odd draw tags. Like that Kamloops sheep draw is so like you have a very low chance of getting it in a draw system. You have less of a chance of getting it in a draw system than you do if we went to like a pool system. And essentially the point system and the pool system are going to be the same thing instead of you're just accumulating points. It's the same as a pool. Like if you to get to that, what did you say? The legacy that would be like, say you had, say well, depending on the species, like say you needed for mule deer. Let's say say you needed four points to get to be able to get drawn for a mule deer. So you build up every year, right? It's the same thing. You're going from basically instead of them saying though, you're going from uh, A B or D C B A. It's just four three two one, right? And that's how you climb up the ladder. And then I mean, you can get into these other more complicated stuff with like point creep systems, preference points, bonus points, but essentially like preference points are the person who has four, four points for mule deer is going to get preference over getting drawn as somebody with three, two or one point. Yeah. yeah. And it's not saying that people with three points can't draw. No, it's exactly. just saying that the guy who has four points has preference. Exactly. And, and that, like you said, so say if they're giving out, say if they have extra tags left over, everybody with four points got a tag, there's, there's more left over everybody in with three points gets a tag and then everybody there's 
there's two tags left over. The guys with three points get to all go in the lottery system for those two tags. Yeah. yeah. But this exactly. will, that's where it comes down to having strategic, like coming up with a draw strategy. And that, and that would evolve over, you'd have to get into the, a process like this to develop that. And it's not like you're going to start all of a sudden you're, you're going to start looking at these, looking at different draws, looking at different units and looking at different hunts. And I mean, it'd be nice too, to see different, like them change up the seasons a little bit and have more like yeah. archery draw seasons, more, you know, different rifle seasons and like shorter rifle seasons and just have, instead of having one open moose hunt yeah. for October, all of October, they can sp- uh, switch it out to say, what we're going to do is we're going to give out, say they have to give out a hundred moose tags. We'll just stick on moose. So they have to give out a hundred moose tags to an LEH system. They say, okay, listen, we're going to give out uh, they go on the percentage of whatever. So say that we're going to give out 60%, we're going to give out 60 rifle tags and 40 archery tags. But the thing is the archers can use the whole month and the rifle guys only get to use too much. But now the thing is all the archery guys are going to apply for the art. I'm going to apply for the archery. All the guys that are doing archery are going to apply for the one month. So now they're out of that equation where the rifle hunters are going to be yeah. going into those draws for the two weeks. So yeah. you're actually by, you, you you're actually creating more opportunity too at the same time. Yeah. 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 And it's the type of thing too, where it's like, you know, two points that kind of come to mind is the one, you know, you talk about like, we'll go back to that Spence's bridge tag where you've got, you know, one in however many million to draw the tag. Say you draw that tag once in your life, everybody, you know, goes on that argument of like, Oh, so what I'm just done sheep hunting now. It's like, no, you're, you, you got your dream. You drew that Kamloops sheep tag. Now you just go apply for a sheep tag somewhere where the odds exactly. aren't so astronomical, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's not that we're not saying you can't hunt sheep. We're just saying like, let's just, let's try to come up with some fairness on, yeah. you know, cause what drives me nuts is that like, you know, and I've seen it within my own family. My uncle has drawn three Roosevelt tags. Dude, I was just going like, to say that. Cause I know two guys in the, for the Okanagan sheep draw, which is one, it's like 356 to one. I know a guy who's gotten it twice and hasn't gone once. And see, that should be a once in a lifetime tag. So you get that tag, you're out. Let some people who are actually going to go, who are going to get in shape, who are going to put the time and work and to do it. And then you're out. You can, but doesn't, like you said, it doesn't mean that you're not going to go draw for sheep. Just go draw. You can go draw nationally. You can go draw somewhere else. There's, you know, there's lots of different areas to draw for sheep in BC. And it's like, the other argument that I heard too was like, okay, so uh, what happens? I draw that tag and I break my leg. And it's like, okay, okay, oh, fuck. T- t- yeah. touch of sympathy there. But first, it wouldn't be any different if we were on a lottery system. Yeah. yeah. Right? And B, B, let's just go ahead and say, okay, let's just implement a rule that you go get a doctor's note saying this dude snapped his femur. You send that into the ministry. You keep your points for next year. You know, like like something like that. Like put in a well, and they they you know, do have kind of yeah. I mean, if you look to like how the states runs their, well, I mean, we should be looking at how the states runs everything in terms of wildlife and wildlife management. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like they have you have a certain time limit where you can give you can give tags back, or like even if they have unused tags, then they can do a second lottery. They can do a second draw for unused tags, or I mean, there's just so yeah. many. There's it's it's just to me it just seems like this lottery and the way that it's going about is just the lazy way of doing it yeah yeah well and like even in alberta and stuff like that like we know a couple guys uh dylan cadman he's up in northern alberta and he talks about a moose hunt he's got a couple hunting partners 
and however their point system works there they've they've got it so that this year you know whether it's a three i forget if it's a two or three year cycle for their moose anyway they talk about it's like okay this year should be my year that i draw for it because he's built up enough then he goes to the bottom kind of like what you're talking about with the pool but it's not yeah and then his other one hunting partner he's the person who has enough points the following year you know they split all their meat and everything so it's all yeah. the same and it's like okay so that rotation's there and then everybody just kind of does that cog system and it's like okay yeah. this year's my year next year's your year and the year after that it's such and such depends on you know how many hunters you have in your little group and stuff so there is benefits and obviously that one's not uh, a super long wait you know there's got there's obviously a bunch of tags being handed out for that it's just a yeah. matter of like you say you guys have they've worked the system to where it's like okay well this is how it is this is how we can maximize our opportunities to to go hunt these yeah. animals still exactly yeah well and exactly I'm... go ahead rich oh sorry kevin i was just gonna say like i um i'm also touching on what you said before is like a two point here is like a um I agree a hundred percent. Like, I think our seasons should be more, um, comprehensive, yeah. right? Like right now it's just this whole, like, you know, you can hunt mule deer from September 10th to December 10th and yeah, sure. They do like, you know, any buck four point, any buck, so yeah, on. Or, sorry, four point, any buck four point, but it's like, you know, it, it's such a loosey goosey thing that it's like, okay, like, let's you know i so my second point i would say is like you know i'm 100 on board with let's divvy up change the seasons make it so you can apply for you know this you know these weeks tags or you can apply for these weeks tags or the yeah. you know mm -hmm. so on and so forth i'm also i mean like i might have to watch out for torches and pitchforks but like i would not cry a single tear if they put everything in bc on leh Say that, you know, put one species or something like that, or like certain zones that you can go to that are, that are across the counter and go hunt. But for the majority, I wouldn't be against putting almost everything on LEH. Yeah. And, I mean like the hot ticket know, items, really I, good odds. Yeah. Like the hot ticket items, definitely, I can see that, but like, like black bear, that should just be OTC. Yeah. Uh, no, you and know, black tail you know, deer and like white tail deer, like those could just yeah. be, but okay. Like similar to like Alberta, like Alberta, my brother lives in Alberta and how they have it is like in order to hunt mule deer with a rifle, he has to apply for points, but he can hunt for, I think it's two or three weeks every year, archery only it's open yeah. over the counter yeah, archery only the rest of the exactly. year. It's rifle. And I love that system. I want to not, I'm just not saying that either. Cause I'm just, you know, I'm a bow hunter. I'm saying that because we have low mule deer numbers and that was going to help. That's going to be the best for the mule deer. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole October any buck season. Yeah. Is getting pretty old. You know, like yeah. I, you know, I'm not by all means, I totally understand people going out and just whacking, you know, a deer for the meat. I just also, you can't refute that if, less two points got shot this year there would be more three and four points next year well right? absolutely like season we've that talked season about killed our valley here with our mule deer populations yeah. in our specific columbia valley here we used to have before i even hunted you talk to anybody 
you could go see 10 legal bucks, which were four by fours any day. And you'd be yeah. like, nope, I'm still holding out for something more mature because there was that many deer. And then as soon as yeah. that any buck season came in for a few years, it wiped out the population. It wasn't the only factor, but yeah, it was a major factor when people were just popping them left, right and center. Yeah. When people were yeah. more selective before everybody well, came I, away yeah. with their deer but you'd have to be more selective. I that's think all. that's why yeah. this, like, our government, like it just, I mean, they just, it's just a lazy way of going about doing it. They're like, you know what? It's working. So let's just not put any more money into yeah. it and let's just leave it the way it is. But like, or for, even... for, well, we talked about this before Pete and like uh, elk in the Kootenays, yeah. like having uh, an elk hunt with like a rifle hunt for elk during a rut. Yeah. Like, no, I like pizza nowhere else in the world. Yeah, like that that I know of, you can hunt mule deer unless you get a draw, right? And then that yeah. okay, so that should be one thing where you yeah. can put it for a draw for, right? Exactly. If you want the opportunity to hunt elk in the rut in the Kootenays, that should be uh, where you need to get. Where they go to a pool or points, you know, essentially the same. The, same, the premise is the same thing. The matrix is all the same thing. You need x amount of points, or you need to be in this pool to get to get drawn for that for that rifle hunt. For elk in the Kootenays, that's what yeah. you need. I mean, there's so yeah. these are these are things that you could easily like. It's just it's easy to do. They're easy easy to adapt and easy to or transition. E- to. Or even to say like you know, let's talk the any buck mule deer, four point or better ODC, and then make any buck a yeah, draw. LAH. Yeah, you know, exactly. so you What's have wrong with that? you know x amount x amount of any buck tags, and then everybody gets to hunt in November. You know, just confine this, confine the season to November yeah. or, you know, have a couple different openings, right? Like archery in a certain season, rifle here, whatever, yeah. and make any, you know, four point over the counter. And then you can apply for an LEH for any buck. Yeah. And see, that's another you know, great this, idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. This past fall, I had to pass up on, there were three different bucks that I had dead to rights that I was just, there was one that I'm even, I'm still kicking myself a touch that I didn't touch the round off, but I just could not 100%. I was like 98% sure that he had a tine on the back that was split and he would turn his head and I could see daylight between it, but then he'd turn his head and he was thrashing this bush and he would stop and it looked like a fork, but I just, I just couldn't get that hundred percent but yeah. i saw him and then about two other bucks that were like really really respectable mature three points and it's like you know there are genetic variances out there who just never go for four you get a nice mature buck who's just a four point we've got mm-hmm. monster sorry, a, a threes. Three point. yeah we've got mo- some monster threes around here yeah, yeah we've all seen massive with elk huge. massive five points yeah. that just never yeah. throw that last it, exactly and so i would love to see the ability to, you know, plug one of those bucks, right? Yeah, like and the, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah, and they put those into a draw system because there is instances exactly. where those, were like a big mature three point or whatever, like whatever horn classification you're putting on the animal that's not reach not it's not meeting the requirements to get shot, he could have lived his full lifestyle, right? He could be, yeah, he could be on his back end of his life. So you, you want to take those ones, you want to take those mature animals out of the exactly out of the herd um yeah they, i mean there's just so many there's just so many ways you can go about it and you just but you got the it, like you said 
instantly people start getting offended when you want to change something. It's just, yeah, it's mad, like, hey, there's it's a better way. There's a lot spoiled. better. We've been spoiled for so long. I know, yeah. but the but now with, it's like hunting it seems elk like in the rut. Like where all, it's like we say, where else do you get that? So to yeah. say, no, you can't do that now. That's really yeah. But the thing yeah. is, you're all hunting. And, but you're you're all you're doing is you're just take your your we're losing hunting opportunity by having too yeah. much hunting hunting opportunity. We're actually our hunting opportunities decreasing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like you look at the October any buck tag, you know, around where I hunt. It's like you go out there in October. The, the only deer that you see walking openly are little two points. Mm-hmm. Like those, you know, the bigger bucks, three points and better, they, they skedaddle around October. They, they get deep, they hide, like they, they get to, the hard to reach places and disappear. And so what you're doing is, is you're just in by having October be any buck around the time that those bucks are disappearing. You're just incurred. It's like, you're asking guys to just blast the pie forks. Yeah. And like, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I don't want to come off like I'm the, you know, the major league trophy hunter. That's all about the inches, but it's like, there's something to be said for that. You know, if we were just to hold off, it's, it's the same thing I say here on Vancouver Island is like, it's any buck September to December here on Vancouver Island. I wish they would just go to a two point or better all over the Island at very least, you know, two point or better. And you would all of a sudden start seeing way more three points and four points because a lot less guys would be shooting the spikes and, and pie forks. Yeah. Yeah, Well, those deer are going to get an opportunity to live longer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know. There's just so much, man. It'd just be so nice to see a better system in play in our province, rather than it just it just keeps going down this path and then eventually just gonna turn to shit. I would be happy even just to just to see some political dialogue yeah. that wasn't. I like. I should note like political dialogue that wasn't emotionally charged. Yeah. Right. Like, because otherwise you wind up with the grizzly bear hunt all over again. Right. Where you just get, you know, that seems like the only time that we ever hear the government step in when it comes to hunting and be vocal about it is when Miley Cyrus yells loud enough and we have to stop hunting grizzly bears for absolutely no reason other than the government just wants to appease the bleeding hearts. Yeah, but I mean, every place in North America has that issue going on, right? They all have the yeah. New Jersey cat lady who's trying to stop the bear hunt in Washington. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just that. That's just we're going to constantly have to fight that yeah. fight. Yeah, and you know, I would say like, my, I've come to peace to a certain degree with the fact that um, we are not going to convince those people right like we're not gonna you're you're not gonna turn the hardcore anti-hunter you know you're not gonna turn him he's off but the issue is is that misinformation and a general lack of information is way it it hurts you way more than screaming loud right Mm -hmm. like if we could just, you know, educate the general public would be a huge, huge step. I think first, in... before we do that, hunters need to band together and stop fighting yeah. each other. hundred percent. You know, I've admittedly almost 
signed out and actually admittedly have signed out of a couple groups on Facebook because I've just been so frustrated with, you know, like you post something and it's that same, you know, remainder percentage that I mentioned earlier of guys that like there, there was this weird demographic that I noticed of guys that when you when you brought up you know the uh when you when you brought up the pool system there was this weird demographic of guys who it was almost kind of had this uh air of like i'm fine with the lottery system because i'm tough and i'm not a crybaby and i'm fine with it being a lottery system and it was just like the most in my opinion it was the most ignorant thing to have to be faced with of like these guys that were like they were literally willing to throw progress out the window just to show that they were good old boys who didn't need change and they're fine with the way the system is now and it's like hey you know there's because you saw often in a lot of the comments on that post were um you know paraphrasing a bit but essentially oh you know some crybaby gets on here and posts this every year you know why can't we just be okay with it it's like okay or or let's let's take a minute yeah they're referring every year those guys are they're referring to though they're referring to the guys who don't get tagged draw i think right like there's that's what they're implementing i I think it was yeah. I think it was more towards my exact argument. I had, oh, yeah. you know, I had a couple comments that were talking about, oh, the point system comes up every year. You know, why are you being such a crybaby? Why don't you just accept the way the system is and whatnot? And, you know, my whole thing was like, yeah, or, you know, let's maybe ask ourselves, but the, why is the entire yeah. population so pissed off that it comes up every year, right? Like, okay, well, it wouldn't I, be coming up every here's year. Here's a question. Why is BC... The only place, well, I don't know. Why is all these other places that are so far ahead of us, why do they not use the point system then? I mean, like, exactly. why, do, yeah. why do they, why, sorry, why do they use, not run the lottery? Yeah, system? why are they on a, a point yeah, system? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, you know, the, the benefits that come with going into either points or pools, whatever it is that, you know, gets decided on. Well, essentially it's the same. Like I said, it's the same, up, it's the same up reference system yeah. Yeah. by any other name. Um, it's like, you know, not only do your odds start getting better in, you know, a lo- across the board generally. The other thing is, is that it's, it's so much easier for the government to actually get harvest numbers. Right, get genuine harvest numbers. Right, it's like okay, because essentially you make it now where it's like they randomly select the population to do a a harvest survey, whereas it's literally done for them. If you draw that fucking elk tag, you have to do your survey. Yeah, point blank. So they know exactly how many exactly on on all ALH draws. Yeah, they know exactly how many people got tags they know exactly how many are getting harvested and i would be willing to bet a probably unintelligent amount of money that within the first year of doing something like that where you have a mandatory you know inspection and survey 
that the government would realize they've been given out way too many tags Mm -hmm. and that the population is not where it needs to be. Well, over the counter, they have absolutely no idea. Exactly. No idea. That's that's what I mean. How many animals are harvested. They're relying on a survey. Given out tags like, you know, in areas and the Kootenai elk is exactly, you know, I was one of those guys who came down to the Kootenays this past yep. fall. Oh, we know. We know. Myself and, elk. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was going to say, know, I was going to give Pete a jab, but I'm just, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and it was like, you know, where I used to, it, okay, in my defense, I got family in Kimberly, so I'm just going to play that card under the table there. Well, now we're um, talking here. Now maybe we'll talk after the show a little bit. I know what they got down in Kimberly area. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we uh we went down around it was actually more up near canal flats kind of area that we looked around for some elk there and uh it was like we heard from the stories that we heard from family of back in you know the good old days of like you just kind of went out and picked your elk whereas like it was like we heard two bugles in the five days that we were there yeah granted it was really hot and it was not ideal weather, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we're bugling in the evening, you know, evening into night, you know, close up into midnight, trying to locate them at night and nothing. There was nothing. I, I, I think, you know, those videos you see of like uh, Wyoming and Montana and Utah, where they got those rolling hills of like, and there's hundreds and hundreds of elk on them. From what, what I, my understanding is that's what the Canal Flats used to be like in British it, Columbia. It was. I still remember it as a kid driving to Calgary to and from Invermere and stuff. And same thing, like all your national parks are all in there and the herds used to migrate back, you know, like all the way through, you didn't have herds of 20 and 30. You had herds of 200 all over. And it wasn't like, Oh, it was just, we saw one herd. It was like this herd. And then it was like another 15 kilometers up the road. And that's no exaggeration. And it was another herd of 200. And then yeah. another herd of two hunt. Like that's literally what it was. It was the Serengeti of BC. Yeah. There is nothing left anymore. And that's not me trying to say, don't come down here. I'm telling you. No, I know a lot of guys that go up there down here in the last yeah. couple of years and they will be like, we're never coming back. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, but yeah, yeah it's, you know, the last year alone between, I believe it was golden and Cranbrook. I believe there was, and this is on the fault of hunters not properly identifying. I have no idea whether the locals, I have no idea what they're out of town. I'm sure it's a big mix. 32 five point elk were shot in a six point season. And those yeah. are only the ones that were either caught self and self-reported. That's not the ones that are sitting out in the bush that yeah. never get found. Yeah. I think, well, it wasn't last year or the year before there was 51. That were reported, something like undersized elk, yeah, egg in the bronze. But then, like they had that with the the, they had all those sheep. But in those conservation officers, in like two or three weeks, they they confiscated like eleven rams or something. That were yeah yeah it's and some bad ones too. Some that were legal, but they didn't take all the meat out. Which is there's no excuse for that. No, no, no. If you're, if you're fit enough to go on a Ram hunt, you need to be fit enough to get out of a Ram hunt. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you know, and and saying all that honest mistakes happen every once in a while, you can be a hundred percent sure in your mind. And it's like, shit, 
I messed up yeah. on something like that happens to a small percentage, but it happens. Yeah. But when you look at the numbers and, that they're actually pulling me, like that's not a small percentage. That's no, and, yeah, you got it, trigger happy and you counted, you counted after the fact because yeah. it was so big. It had to be a six point. Yeah. Yeah. And well, that, I think know, a lot, what a lot of people do is they don't want to miss the opportunity of it being a legal like it being yeah, a legal yeah. ram or legal elk or whatever it is they yeah. don't want to miss the opportunity they don't want to see it run away because they're not they're just not putting they're not putting the hard work into that it takes like yeah you get you're gonna get burned that's one thing about hunting is you have to accept the fact that you're gonna get burned you're you're not gonna be successful way more than you're gonna be successful that's what makes it fun that's what makes it challenging yeah. that's why we all <laughs> have to do it yeah no exactly and and that's why I like I I live by the when it comes to you know chambering around and touching it off I live by the the mantra of never ever talk yourself into shooting only yeah. shoot if you cannot talk yourself out of shooting I like that right and it, where that comes from is uh, turrets on scopes. You know, I uh, the, I shot long distance growing up, like novice. Like I, I'm comfortable, you know, shooting steel out to 800 yards and shooting plates, and I can hit, you know, I can hit confidently on a, a 10 inch steel plate out to 800 yards and such. And my my hard line on big game, I draw a hard line at. 425 is where i i stop shooting this year i'm uh i'm in the process right now my dad and i are looking into buying a pair of matching uh, mountain rifles actually and when i get that rifle i'm gonna just well and actually i shouldn't say when i get that rifle regardless i'm gonna take my current hunting rifle and slave on it and get myself to the point that i am 100 percent confident shooting out to 500 yards and that i i don't think i'll ever try to advance my ceiling from that but i want to be able to ethically and confidently shoot to 500 yards on game what what caliber is your are you shooting right now uh at the moment i'm shooting a 6.5 aught six oh yeah um and uh it's a the load that i have on it's quite quite hot and it's very flat shooting and it shoots that gun consistently shoots about half to three quarter MOA groups. Oh yeah. Um, tight. And it, yeah. And it's, you know, the the rifle shoots well enough to go out to 500 yards. I'm just, I kind of circling back to that whole, like, don't shoot till you can, you can't talk yourself out of shooting. I, when it comes to taking a long shot like that, um, Turrets on scopes and ballistic drop reticles, in my opinion, are one of the worst great things that have ever happened hunting technology wise. Um, Because the turrets, you know, the Leopold, you send your ammo away and they tell, they print you out a turret that tells exactly whatever. Those have made it seem far too easy to shoot 500 yards. And in my opinion, and I try to hold myself to this, no matter what the Boone and Crockett is, that I don't touch off that shot unless I'd be willing to bet you my paycheck 
that that plate's going to ring or that, you know, I'm going to let the air out of the lungs when that bullet hits. And I think that, you know, the amount of guys that you see, you know, not trying to call out anybody here, but the amount of people on Sportsman Channel, Wild TV, YouTube and stuff that tote themselves as long distance shooters or, you know, tote themselves as good shooters. Um, I would be willing to bet that not many of them would bet you a thousand dollars on hitting a eight inch plate at 500 yards. I think that's, and in my opinion, unless you can, you know, without breaking a sweat, bet a thousand dollars that you're going to hit that plate. You have no right to touch that shot off towards a live animal. Yeah, 800 is a long way. There's a lot going on between you and 800 yards, wind, elevation. Elevation has a huge, plays a huge yeah, impact exactly. on velocity. And that's, well, and the the big thing is, is windage, right? Yeah. Like to, to dial, and that's where, you know, these reticles and stuff really get it wrong in the wrong hands is that it's, yeah, it's easy to take that Leopold scope and go 400 yards or 500 yards. Yeah. But yeah, but that's you know, just, you, yeah, that's for your hold. That's over. just that, elevation, yeah, it's right. Not, like, let's yeah. you know, you're not talking. You ask here. a guy, exactly. Yeah. You ask a guy, okay, what's your, you know, he talks about. You hear the overhear the guy at the party talking about how he he shot, um, you know, shot a deer at four fifty or five hundred, and then you ask him, you'd be like, okay, what was your, uh, what was, what did you have to dial, or what was your holdover in windage? And he just like looks at you like. Eh? Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. Okay. So two turrets you know. for a reason. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly, and you know, yeah. and I well, don't and want just, to. Yeah, yeah, that's a hard one to. Wind's a tough one, man. Like you can't. It's hard to judge for wind. It takes yeah. practice. The only way you can do it is just practice all the time. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like I, you know, am some sniper or the world's best long distance shooter like i still have lots to learn and it's not something that i'm incredibly um incredibly good at i just you know my dad put rifles in my brother and myself's hands very early in life and you know growing up in saskatchewan in the flatlands we practiced ringing the eight inch plate at 300 yards our whole lives and, and I guess I've out there, if you didn't hit it, you never know where it's going to go. Exactly. <laughs> right. It. And so, you know, you don't <laughs> want to like kill the neighbor's dog or anything. So you better hit the fucking yeah. plate. Right. Um, and so the 400 yard shot for us, you know, I've still, I've yet to take a 400 yarder on big game. I've, you know, I always try to get as close as I possibly can to the animal before touching off the shot. And so far 340 is my, is my longest shot. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I, we've been doing that. It's not that I'm some, you know, unreal shooter. It's just that I've just put the reps in, in, you know, in ringing that plate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely one of those things. It's like anything though. It's like archery, long distance shooting archery. It just takes, it takes practice, man. You got to constantly yeah. be at it. Over, yeah. and over and over uh, and over and over. And unfortunately, it's like what what, I, what you see a lot nowadays too, sort of along the same thing as the turrets, is that there's a lot of, I find in the community, there's a lot of ego that comes into the long distance oh. shooting. Is like you get these guys that, you know, 
you look at the video and it's always difficult to tell from video, but it's like, you know, you look at the video of the 600 yarder that he took and you're like, uh, okay, but that ridge that I can see in the foreground, it looks like you could have shot from there and made it a, a, a 250 yarder. Like what, what's, it was, yeah. you know, what was why, in between Why would there? you shoot from here when you could have shot from there? Exactly. Right. And I think that there's a lot of that these days too. Like guys, you know, they could take the 200, but they walk backwards up to that ridge so that they can make it a 400 yard shot. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're afraid that the animal is going to spook or their stock's not going to be great and miss the opportunity. Yeah. I don't know. But that comes down to the hunter themselves. But I mean, you're going to blow stocks. Everybody oh, does yeah. more than way more than you're going to be successful. Yeah, no, exactly. And yeah. you know, as hunters, it just comes down to our responsibility to, to make sure that we're doing it right by the yeah. animals. You know, yeah. I can't tell you what the right way to hunt is in your style, but I can tell you that if you're, you know, if you're taking shots that you shouldn't take or that you're not totally confident in, um, that's, you know, there's some other stuff you got to kind of work out there. Yeah. And that and comes priorities down to you got to look yeah. at. Yeah. That comes down to hunter ethics and that's a responsibility that each hunter has to make for themselves. But on that note, maybe we'll wrap it up. Hey guys, uh, chat here that for a good time. Good. Thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, Rich, it's been, uh, good to catch up and you're looking good. Keep at it. Man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's always been a good time. I really yeah. enjoy it. And look forward to coming on again. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Awesome. Take it easy. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning into the Focus Hunting Podcast. Coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoors production. Pete and I wanted to thank all you guys, the listeners, for tuning into the over past 100 episodes of the show. This journey has been a lot of fun for both Pete and I, and we couldn't do it without your guys' support. So we really value that. And uh, you're going to notice a bunch of promo codes down in the show notes. Use them, save a bunch. Love you guys. Until the next time. think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You go out there and the fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.